Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Ben and Chris Talk Sports. I am Chris. And I am Ben. And we're here to bring you our opinions on the news, notes, and happenings from around the world of sports. Episode 99. Very, very close to 100 for all of you out there who know math. A lot to get to today. i got to be honest with you. We're, we're going to try to keep it at a respectable length for the show. About an hour like normal. But there is a lot of football news to get to. A lot of big stories. So we may run a little bit long. We're going to try to keep it normal length. But just a heads up. Although realistically, they're downloading this show after it's already recorded. So they already know how long it is when they push play. Yeah. So I didn't really have to say that. But whatever. It's fine. All right. First up, news that actually just broke about an hour ago. Uh, a lot of you hearing this show very, very early in the morning before you get your news updates, sports updates, are probably going to hear it here first. Uh, the Jets, after trying to trade running back Le'Veon Bell, who they paid a massive contract to uh, before the 2019 season, after he sat out 2018 because he didn't want to be franchise tagged by the Steelers and make a ton of money to play football. So that still doesn't make sense to me, but whatever. Uh, the Jets have released him. Straight up released Le'Veon Bell. He's a free agent now. And as far as I know, free to sign with anybody. What happened? They realized that they didn't know what they had. Uh, they couldn't figure out what Le'Veon Bell was, even though the Pittsburgh Steelers figured out. I mean, didn't, didn't Gase come out? Uh, at the end of last season, say, I'm going to review tape from what the Pittsburgh did with uh, Le'Veon Bell and apply it to their offense. Yeah, after an entire season of having one of the most dynamic players in recent memory in his offense, Adam Gase comes out and says, you know what, I should probably look at tape and see what worked and what didn't. So, I just think this is an indictment on the fact that Adam Gase has no idea what he's doing. I mean... I understand there's a long history, but you can't. <laughs> yeah. One of the most talented running backs in the, in the league, and you can't do anything with him. No, he had injury. I get it. Oh, yeah, he had a pulled groin. He came back. Right. But he's still one of the best running backs in the league. Absolutely. You, you can't do anything with him? That's your fault, not his. So if I'm if I'm the Jets at this point, I'm just I'm just going all in. I'm just I'm figuring out who I can get, what I can get for who. I don't know. I don't know how much they actually have left. Like, who do they have? Crowder. That's about it. They have Jamison Crowder and Sam Darnold. And if they think Sam Darnold's their future, which what, I, I, I don't we, know, I don't know. It's his third year. Last year was largely lost because of Mono. Lost a large part of that year. The team around him is not very good. Even when they get an offensive lineman, the guy can't seem to stay healthy to, to see what they actually have. They had Le'Veon Bell. They had their running back situation taken care of. For some reason, they decided, I don't know. I don't think Gase ever actually wanted Le'Veon Bell. That was the rumors when they signed him. He did not want him. He wanted somebody else, spend the money somewhere else. And he got him. And Adam Gase is not a professional. Adam Gase is one of the most childish, selfish, uh, human beings, as far as personnel goes, you're ever going to see. I don't know how he still is employed by an NFL team. He has done nothing as a head coach except screw teams up. Look what Brian Flores is doing down in Miami yeah. after Adam Gase. Brian Flores is doing a very nice job down there. 
bringing in players that are going to fit his system and putting together an actual base of a team and then letting the cream rise to the top and letting his talented players take a bigger role and keep going. Now, Dolphins aren't going to be a Super Bowl contender this year. Probably not. I mean, I guess you never really know. Things Crazier things have happened. But probably not realistically. But that team is remarkably better on the field this year over last year. Without a doubt. Absolutely. This team has given some very, very good teams fits this year and taken some games not necessarily down to the wire, but made a lot of games a lot closer than you thought they would. It looked for a while there like they might have Seattle's number. And Seattle's looked like one of the top two or three teams in the league this year. And that took ooh, two off seasons and a whole lot of money to undo what Gase did and in, what, two or three seasons down there? Yeah. This guy just doesn't know what he's doing. He is... Uh, I cannot understand how he's still on the team. They have running this, the team. They, I, I don't know. He has to have dirt on somebody. He has to. It, it's that aura coming off of him from... I think he, I think he was a offensive coordinator with uh, Manning in Denver. I think that's where all this, this aura comes from of how he ran the offense and how he was so good. And all the owners, the two owners that hired him are just enamored by his offensive acuity. Yet you look at it, what what has he produced on the field? Absolutely nothing. Nothing. You have this talented first-round first pick in, in Sam Dalton, which I, I, I contest that he's probably slightly overdrafted, but... I think he's still a decent enough quarterback to be a starting quarterback. And he took him and turned him into a puddle of nothing. Now, here's the thing. If they're smart, they can still turn it around and get something out of Sam Darnold if there's something to be had there. But the, the thing about Gates that annoys me, I think it is, is he, he, there's an arrogance about him. There's an arrogance when you hear him talk. And it's, it, you know, you get a certain amount of, of, of hypothetical capital when you're successful. And, like last year, the Steelers were not what the Steelers wanted to be. Roethlisberger was injured. James Conner was in and out. Mike Tomlin did not roll over and say, oh, this is a lost season. He very nearly still got that team to the playoffs. And, in fact, if it was the same playoff structure last year, or uh, if it was the playoff structure last year, it is this year, the Steelers would have been in the playoffs. Right. And that was with a revolving door quarterback. Like I said, Big Ben was out hurt. Because Mike Tomlin has, I don't know, pride? The Steelers organization has pride? And they were determined to not, you know, the next man up mentality. We're going to make this happen. We're going to do everything we can. No matter what, we're not going to make excuses. But if they had ended up going, I don't know, 3-13, and 13, Mike Tomlin's job wouldn't have been in jeopardy. No. Because Mike Tomlin is a damn good coach. And the owners of the Steelers know that. Steelers fans know that. He has earned the, the, the hypothetical capital to have a bad season for very good reasons. Same with the Patriots came out this year. You know, they don't sign Cam Newton or they had problems or whatever and say they go 4-12. and Do you think Robert Kraft's going to look at Belichick and go, you're in hot water, your job's in jeopardy? Hell no. No, because those guys have earned that respect. It's the same with Harbaugh in um, Baltimore. Right. You know, guys who have earned the respect. 
Adam Gase is walking around like he thinks he's a four-time Super Bowl champion who has these record-breaking offenses as coaches, and all the guy's done is screw up teams and lose. And he walks around like he's got the biggest you-know-what in the room. And he just annoys the living hell out of me. If I if he starts talking, I turn my TV off. If I see an Adam Gase news conference, if I see if I'm watching NFL Network, I'm watching ESPN, and I see Adam Gase do an interview and they show a clip, uh, either mute or I'm out. I'm doing something else. I I can't stand him. He's I, terrible, and he thinks he's awesome. I get it. I get it, and I just. What the Jets need to do is just clear them out. Like you're not you're not going anywhere. You're not going anywhere. Your your franchise is not going to go anywhere with with Adam Gase in charge. Honestly, after last year's game with the Patriots, him here in foot, uh, him here uh, seeing ghosts. I think he's shook and he's done. That's Sam Darnold. So I, I probably would move on from him because he probably needs a fresh start somewhere where he can possibly sit behind someone for a year. He's still young. He's still young. He can sit behind someone. It's like James, oh, sure. yeah. it's like James Winston sitting behind um, uh, Drew Brees down in New Orleans. That doesn't mean Winston's done. He's sitting behind him for a year. No, Winston's, what, like 27? <laughs> I mean, they're, they, like I said, they're still really young guys. So, you know, a lot of years off to play. So, and, and you afford a team an opportunity to... If you trade him now, I don't know if they'd be willing to. I don't know. But you afford a team an opportunity now or before the deadline uh, for the fourth-year option to have that option to say, okay, well, our fifth-year option, I'm sorry. Well, we can possibly get Darnold for two years if we feel like we have enough a team to build around him and make him better, i.e. Tampa Bay Buccaneers if Tom Brady retires or the Saints if – they feel Jamison's in the answer and, and Drew Brees retires. It's just they just need to reset hit the reset button. Much like the Dolphins did. Ironically enough. After a certain After Adam Gase left. Yeah. What is this? This is Gase's uh third season with the Jets or second? I think it's no, it's the second because it's uh uh Flores has been in Miami for two years. Yeah, here's the thing. How is it possible you sign one of the best most athletic, most dynamic running backs in the game. And uh, the same offseason you hire, for some reason, Adam Gase. And Adam Gase, with, I think, what, uh, four wins last year? Four wins. Outlasts the tenure of that running back. They're ready to move on from Le'Veon Bell. But Adam Gase, as far as, you know, as far as what uh, the, the Jets ownership said about a week and a half ago... They're not looking at replacing him right now. I said this last time, and I mean it. I feel bad for Jets fans. Yeah. Because a real fan of any team is passionate, and they love their team. And when you're watching on Sunday, if you're watching and your team just gets beat because the other team plays better, that happens. Like we, We're Patriots fans. The Chiefs, despite all the problems and things surrounding that game, we're just a better team that day. No, 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 what ifs, no excuses. You know, but we don't have to go. Oh, our team is just bad. We went up against a great team. And we lost the right. Seattle game. Seattle game went down to the wire. Seahawks were an 
awesome that day. And they beat the Patriots. Regardless of who lost that game, neither fan base had to walk away going, oh, man, I don't know about my team. It was, well, okay. We got beat by a team that played better than us today. That happens. If you're a Jets fan, you're watching that dumpster fire on the field every weekend going, we've had that, we've had a decade of this. And maybe the record's been better. They've been more competitive. They've had a good defense or an okay offense. Usually it's a better defense. But you've never had a feeling you've had anybody since Herm Edwards, with the exception of a year or two with Rex Ryan, who could put anything together. Anything. I Honestly, I think it starts from the top. And I don't mean the top as the GM. No, the I mean, owner. The owner. Like, just – and I know it changed um, recently because the, the – one of the Johnson um, brothers is ambassador to Ireland. So I think he had to relinquish his ownership, I think. I'm not 100% sure. But it starts from the top. They need to clear out the GM and the head coach. They're connected right now. They've been The GM's been there long enough to put together some semblance of a, a team. And let's not forget, let's not leave the GM out of this. He did float the idea initially last year of not only trading Bell, but also Adams. Like, there was rumors last year. Um, and between Adams getting traded and now Bell trade potential to trade it, but now released, I think those rumors were true last year. And that was after the off. That was the first year of Bell's contract, and you're trying to trade him. It's like, your GM just doesn't know what he's doing. And... If you're the owner, you literally need to bring in someone who can be an authority on how to have football operations function as a unit. I'm calling it right now. The Jets are going to fire Adam Gase Mm -hmm. and the GM, and then they're going to hire Bill O'Brien as head coach and GM. Bill O'Brien is going to trade two first-round picks to whoever picked up Le'Veon Bell to get him back. And the circle continues. Wow. And you know what the worst part is? Any Jets fan listening to this, while he might have been cursing at me because I'm a Patriots fan, in the back of his mind goes, yeah, that, that's a move my team would make. Yeah, that, that actually checks out. Damn it. But, well, uh, let's get away from the hypothetical coach GM firing and get to a actual coach GM firing. Uh, Dan Quinn. I'm not surprised. Dan Quinn out in Atlanta. Not a shock to anybody. We've been talking about it, I think, as long as the show has been going on. Because early last season, we actually started, you know, we we did a couple of uh, uh, episodes to kind of warm up and get Mm -hmm. used to actually talking on the mic. Then we actually started releasing them. And that was about the time the Falcons were looking real bad. And we've been saying, who is Dan Quinn in trouble? Is Dan Quinn in trouble? Is Dan Quinn in trouble? And the team kind of rallied around him. You know, middle, you know, two-thirds, second half of the season last year. And saved his job. Let's be honest. The way his team played, they played hard. They had some comeback wins. They did really good. They saved his job. And the owner went, okay, you know what? You're going to play like that for him? We're going to give him another shot. We're going to, we're going to, Put him back out there, and we're going to see what happens. Because if you're going to play like that for him, we like where this team could go. 
and they promptly go 0-5 the following season. And now Dan Quinn and GM uh, Thomas Dimitrov, is that his name? Thomas Dimitrov. Dimitrov. Are, uh, are, well, out of work right now. And I've heard a lot of rumors, seen a lot of rumors, that you're going to see a lot of these high-priced stars for the Falcons. Oh, yeah. Get shipped out of town as an effort to let the next regime that comes in essentially rebuild that franchise around Calvin Ridley. And I, I would assume not Matt Ryan. It'd be whoever they have on defense, Calvin Ridley, probably Russell Gage. Uh, you, may, you may honestly see Julio traded. You may see Matt Ryan gone. I mean, you may see it. That may be an entirely new team. I mean, by the time next year rolls around, if not sooner. The, the, the tough thing with uh, Ryan and, and Julio Jones is their contracts are very heavy. Um, but as I say, with anything dealing with the salary cap, A, I have no idea what I'm talking about because I can do all the math I want and the team's still somehow figuring yeah, it out. Yeah, it's all funny money. Um, and two, if a team really wants to trade for him, uh, like either Julio Jones or Matt Ryan, they will figure it out. Uh, they, but yes, I heard a lot of rumors as well. Um, there was a, specifically uh, Alex Mack was a one name I saw floating around. Keanu Neal, and um, there was one. Oh, and Todd Gurley, uh, oddly enough, was also floated around. Uh, and Tank McKinley also kind of out there a little bit. Um, I do. I would. The the lower names, no no, I don't want to disparage anybody, but the the le, the lower stars, I Let's would be honest, say, is a pecking order. Right. Not every running back is Christian McCaffrey. Not every defender is 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 Ray Lewis. I know he doesn't play anymore, but so I say your your interim GM and head coach can make decisions on those kind of players, get some draft capital back for that, and then, like you said, bring in the new GM, bring in the new head coach. Yeah. Make a decision on whether or not Julio Jones and Matt Ryan are the future. And if they are, go all in. If they're not, make your move. Make it soon. What do you make, mean go all in? You already have them. You're not going all in anywhere. But I mean all in, like get, build more around them. Get a better running back. Get, get some more defense. I hate to say it. If you, guys, if you have those guys there, you can't. I, I understand. And that's, that's the problem. That's why I say they have to make a decision. Um, I if it was me, because we know how I we know how I am. I like to just hit the reset button. Yeah, if they're over thirty, you got to put them in a rocket and fire Absolutely. them into the sun. One thousand percent. They're already in the old age home. Yes. So I would try. I would let the interim GM get rid of uh, some of these other players, get some draft capital now, because some of them are free agents. So you don't make the move now, you you won't get anything for them. And then Todd Gurley be an interesting one. Really he's, on, he's on a one-year deal, and they didn't pay him a, a whole ton of money to come in, and he's performing pretty well. I mean, what, what could they realistically real? I mean, get for him? I mean, I, I think you can get a third or fourth. That's what I was thinking. I don't think you could get much higher than that unless a team. I think if it was a team like the like the Vikings, who were I mean they have Madison, but if if Dalvin Cook's injury would have been like season-ending, yeah, and they feel they can compete, mm-hmm. could go in and give you know maybe a third for for a, a, a girlie or something. 
kind of wondering like where he could possibly go if they were to trade him. All right, so I'm, I'm thinking about that. And the, uh, uh, the obvious place that needs a starting running back is obviously the New York Giants. But do they really want to trade draft capital? My thought is they're on the upswing right now. The Cleveland Browns. I know they have Kareem Hunt, but wouldn't it be nice to have – because they had that pairing with him and Nick Chubb as much as we weren't really – a fan of that. Fourth round pick to the Atlanta Falcons for Todd Gurley for half a season, and now you have Todd Gurley and Kareem Hunt. Well, you're going to get Nick Chubb back in like a month. What kind of Nick Chubb am I going to get? I don't think you're going to put him on the field unless he's 100%. So, I just think that, I think that crowds the backfield way too much in, in, in Cleveland. I don't know about that. So where are you thinking? I mean, I, I didn't... Honestly, didn't do a whole lot of thinking. I think Houston. If you do good down in the Houston with the David Johnson, he could be more of a, a receiving back, kind of change of pace back. Gurley, because Gurley can catch too. Yeah. You have two guys who were a little bit past their prime, who, you know, five years ago were fantasy football studs, who are, are still very capable players, but they just can't carry the full workload anymore. You could have Houston send, you know, third, fourth round pick to Atlanta. It's probably going to be a decent. I don't know, I'd say at least a top 12 pick, probably. I know Houston was 0-4 before this past weekend, and I would expect without Bill O'Brien contaminating that offense, they'll probably do slightly better. I don't think they're going to be a 10-win team, but they're going to be you know, respectable, probably in, in contention for a wild card at least. Only, you have a guy like Gurley, you could do that. Right. The only other place I can think of that has some aspirations to win this year Although they dropped a heartbreaker yesterday, uh, the Chargers. Now that they don't have Eckler, it's not a it's not a bad idea to to say if we if we feel like we have the team that we can push forward and make make our move. But unfortunately, char uh, the Raiders are playing really well to the point where they just beat the Chiefs. The Chiefs are the Chiefs. We'll we'll have to see if this affects them a lot. And then there's a lot of other teams at the top of the AFC that that are pushing the Chargers down, and they have a young quarterback. So there are options, I think. Justin Herbert looks so good. That kid, I've watched him play like three or four games now. I he get it. He looks so good. I get it. I just With him, I just want to see when the league starts to figure him out. That's every player. I understand, but I'm just saying, when, when the league starts to figure him out, can he make those adjustments? Because that's that's his problem, is that he is very, very talented. If he goes on pure athletic ability, he is one of the most talented quarterbacks coming out of college. But does he have it between the ears? I'm not, I'm not even joking. Does he have it between the ears? Because a, a lot of plays, that, uh, a lot of the big games at Oregon, for some reason, Justin Herbert just couldn't perform. I'll, look, I'll say this much. We, we've seen it a lot where a lot of guys who – aren't necessarily up to par in college come into the pros and they're awesome. Patrick Mahomes was not a great college quarterback. Tom Brady was barely known by anybody. He couldn't he couldn't <laughs> wrestle the starting position. Yeah. Coming out of Michigan. And I'm not saying Justin Herbert's gonna be either of those guys. I'm saying as a rookie on a team that has a lot of flux on that offense with injuries, he looks really good. He made some really, really good throws. He's gonna make some dumb mistakes. I think the Chargers have somebody who's going to end up being better than Phillip Rivers, though. 
and I know my my continuous you know ragging on Philip Rivers, but I mean realistically, Philip Rivers had a pretty nice career there for the better part of twenty years, and I think they can find some success with Herbert. I think I think they got themselves their next franchise guy from what I've seen. Look, it's four games. Anybody can have right. a good four game stretch. Right. So I'm not trying. Like I said, I'm not trying to say I mean, this is the second coming of. Mahomes or Brady or Rodgers or, or Breeze or whatever. I'm just saying the kid looks really good for where he is and his development. What I've seen, he makes good throws. He's smart. He puts good touch on the ball. He can move around in the pocket. I, I think I, I think they got something there in, in uh, L.A. I don't. I think he's the I, best quarterback in L.A. already. I'll say that much. Right. I don't question his athletic ability. I don't question that he can't make the throws. I just need to see in the big game, and and he is a rookie, so I do give him a a break this year. Um, like last night would have been a perfect scenario for him to really, really show what he has. But he is a rookie, and he's going toe to toe with Drew Brees. Who can we agree he'll be a Hall of Famer? I mean, you'd have to have never seen him play and not understand he's a Hall of Famer. Uh, to put a bow on the um, the Falcons. The biggest issue will be the negative twenty five million dollars on the cap next year. Yeah. Which kind of prompts the it's not going to be if Julio and Matt are traded, it's when. Right. Well here's the thing, Julio being fully guaranteed, anything they trade him for, that team they trade him to would pick up all of that. Yeah. So if they can find a suitor, that twenty five million in, in, in you know, like cap debt, right, is gonna be reduced. So, and I don't know, maybe they can renegotiate with Ryan and then figure out a deal to get him out of town. I don't know what they're going to do there. And they have multiple people with, they have two, an offense and defense alignment making 20 plus mil a year. Here's the thing, as talented as Matt Ryan, well, Matt Ryan's had a few seasons where you could go, hey, he's really talented. Right. And he's had a lot of seasons where he just collects a lot of really good stats, kind of like Phillip Rivers, honestly. He's had been a really nice stat collector who's had a few outlier great seasons where the team has a good record, but he's usually surrounded by immense talent when that happens. You know, dominant running back, you know, like Rivers and LaDainian Tomlinson. I mean, Matt Ryan's had Julio the majority of his career down there. It's just, it, it's a really bad time for <laughs> the Falcons to want to try to get rid of him. Yeah. Because I don't remember a time when a quarterback player on the league was ever stronger. You and and you have more. A, you have more coming in, that are immensely talented. Fields and Lawrence will be starters day one, and you have quarterbacks staying longer. Tom, Drew, Aaron's not done. Ben Roethlisberger's not done. Like you have now, you have quarterbacks staying longer. So it's like. These spots are not coming open right. as, as I don't know how to put it, but like they're not coming open ever so often. It, that's that's going to be the problem. So if the Falcons can trade them all they want, want to trade them all they want, but excellent point. Are they going to have a partner? Are the Colts going to be available because Philip decides to retire? Maybe, maybe not. We're not sure. Are the Saints going to be? Uh, uh, available would the Saints and the Falcons even trade with each other? And that, I double down on that with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. 
But you look, look around the league, there's just not that many options. So it'll be hard for the Falcons, no doubt. They might have to take 40 cents on the dollar. Like it, it's. What do you it, think the chances they just? What do you think? I mean, the chances they just release him are. Matt Ryan. Oof. I mean, I know that'd be a big cap hit, but if they're gonna take a big hit anyways. Oof. I don't know, man. That's. If they really can't find they it. They would really have to not like their team going forward with Matt Ryan at the helm. And they could, and it would have to be they could not find anybody to take them for anything. Like, if I'm a team, I wouldn't even give up a sixth round pick for Matt Ryan because you're taking it's the it's the contract, it's not the talent. Oh, age contract. Yeah, it, it's it all it's yeah. all together, but it's not so much the age. It's the contract is just so. I love I love when it's a running back or a receiver. You're like, oh, they're. They're getting a little long in the tooth because they're like two days past 31. And then 38-year-old 30, Matt Ryan, who, who I mean, moves like molasses. Wait. You're like, it's not the age. Wait. It's the money. Hold on. He's 35 years old. Well, he moves like he's 47, so. that's a, no, I'm not denying that either. But I don't know, man. It just, and he's got, oof. He's got three years after this. Well, what, what I think what I was getting at, though, yeah. I didn't do a good job explaining it, is if... If he has how many years there's going to be dead cap for his contract? Because if all you have to do is let him go, if they if they know he hasn't done it to this point with immense talent around him, right? That that team needs a rebuild. They need a, a facelift, and he's not the future. He's not. He might be the present, and maybe they do keep him and try to build around him and see what they can do. I don't know. I don't think with that salary they're going to be able to. But say they let him go. If they take a massive, massive dead cap hit for one year. Right. It'd be next year. Yeah. If in 2022, if that's cleared off the books, they get that money back. Yeah. It may be worth it for them to say, hey, you know what? We're going to bite the bullet for one year. We're going to let, we're going to trade who we can. We're going to release the rest. We're going to come into 2022 with a, a good size salary cap. More than likely a top three draft pick. They can get a top quarterback. I don't have no idea who'd be in the draft for that year, but. There's, you know, they can do some rebuilding there and use some of those picks they traded some guys away for it to rebuild. Right. Get their quarterback, get a couple of defensive players, go out and get some free agents, and have an entirely new team within a year and a half. Kind of like the Arizona Cardinals did. Right. I, I get what you're saying. As opposed to, oh, we got to try to make it work. It's just like, you know what? No. Your team's going to suck next year. Your team sucks now. Get rid of these big contracts, bite the bullet, and see you in 2022. So, so in your scenario, you need to trade Julio Jones to get draft capital. And I think you can trade Julio Jones. Julio, I... He, he has first-round talent to get back, but you're not going to get a first-round pick for him. You could, no, no, not at all. If you do that, I think the math will work out because it's, it's $49 million cap hit. Or a uh, uh, dead cap for that one for the 2021 season. So now you have to, you're already negative. Now you got to find the money elsewhere. So it, I think they feasibly could do it. The Atlanta Falcons in 2021 would be god awful. Like As they opposed would, to 
Okay. As opposed to the gem of a football team they're putting on the field now. Okay, that is a fair point. They would be the... That the, team has been ice skating up a hill since 28-3. to three. <laughs> They would be the absolute... There would be no question they would be the worst team in the NFL. Yeah. They, because they could not pay a quarterback. I don't even want to say mediocre. Like, less than mediocre money to be the starting quarterback. Like, they'd have positions that are just... Who are these people? So, it's up to the ownership. It's up to the GM and the head coach. Are they willing? To, like, are they willing to be? You know, what Brian Flores and his GM were willing to do—just eat that season, and just say, out in public, we're not, we're not tanking. But internally, yeah, we're tanking. We're tanking. We're tanking for Tua. They got lucky that he dropped to the middle, middle of the top five. And see what we get. I don't know what's in 2022 right now. I haven't looked that far ahead. But if they're bad enough, I mean, they could get Justin Fields or Trevor Lawrence with the first or second pick and build from there. i got to be honest with you. If the Falcons are as bad as we think they're going to be next year, they're not going to have to try to tank. They can go out there and give it their all. They're probably going to go 1-15, and and that's being generous. All right, let's move on to the next topic. Uh, but a bit of unfortunate news. During the uh, Cowboys and the Giants game this past weekend, Dak Prescott suffered a really, really nasty ankle injury. Uh, compound fracture of his ankle. When it first happened, I, we were watching the game together, and I was like, oh, that's nasty, because he came right up and was grabbing it his knee, obviously. And uh, his shoe, it looked like his shoe was starting to come off, because it was like his ankle was like completely... The other, almost the other direction from where it should be pointing. And you're like, no, 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 that's just, that's just his shoe. His shoe's coming off. And I'm like, no, it's not. And you watch the replay, and it was nasty. Yeah. Uh, so that, that sucks to see. Like, I'm not a Cowboys fan, but this isn't about the team. It's about a really good player who's a really good dude who got hurt. So hopefully Dak gets well soon. Apparently the surgery went really well. Should be back, they said, four to six months. Uh, you should make a full recovery. Should be fine, which is really good news. And, um, yeah, so, you know, get well soon, Dak. And, uh, you know, you hate to see, hate to see anybody get hurt, but especially somebody who's, who's a good dude like that. Uh, but the Cowboys now, on top of not having their franchise quarterback, have to figure out what they're going to do with their team that already wasn't performing up to par. Uh, Andy Dalton, it was a nice little moment. Andy Dalton was able to lead the team on a drive to, to take the lead against the 0-4 at the time Giants. Not every team they're going to face is going to be that bad. What do the Cowboys look like the rest of the year? They clearly need two players to step up and be the iconic players that they're getting paid to be. I already know what you're going to say. I'm going to say Zeke Elliott and Amari Cooper. Yeah, Amari Cooper. Oh, Amari, by the way. Amari, who came off a massive week, everybody was talking like he was the man again because they haven't watched him play, apparently, his entire career. Oh, I know you did. I know you. We're, we're on the same page there. But Amari Cooper against a really bad Giants team in a big game in prime time. Oh, not prime time. It was, it was a, a second afternoon game. Two catches, 23 yards. Wow. Yeah. And that was late game. Those were both with, like, five minutes left in the game. He was a ghost the rest of the time. 
because Amari Cooper is David Copperfield when it matters most. I mean, I, I called it, and you. I've been calling reinforced it, for three years it by now, your so, yeah. your continued narrative of the facts that Amari Cooper is not as good as everyone thinks he is. And by the way, I have no personal problem with Amari Cooper. By the way. Just, just to be very very clear, none, none of these players I'm making fun of. I mean, I genuinely don't like Adam Gase. But none of these players I'm talking about as far as not performing, I don't have any personal problem with them. This is just observations. Yeah. This is not like if I saw them walking down the street, like, oh, you suck. (laughs) First of all, I don't talk like that anyways. But this is just, you know, this is what I do. You know, as a fan, as somebody who is, you know, an analyst on a podcast, it's, you have to, you have to, Make your observations with your eyes. I know we live in a world where, you know, the media and <laughs> doesn't necessarily do that. It's it's there's always a narrative. Like, I don't have a narrative against Amari Cooper. Those are the numbers. He has three or four big games a year. Yeah. He's paid as a number one. People talk like he's a top five receiver in the game. He's just not. He's not. Jerry Jones overpaid for emotion. Yes. And two for twenty three in a big game. And Amari's going to have a couple more this year. Amari's going to have a couple eight-catch, 180-yard games with two touchdowns. He's going to have that. And then everybody's going to be, oh, there's Amari Cooper, there's Amari Cooper. And he's going to disappear for a month and have two for 23 and three for 30 and one for seven and a touchdown. And then have a big game. And people get their hopes up again. This is a pattern. The guy's been in the league five years now. This is what he does. Yeah. And and if anyone asks you, well, Chris, they went against an 0-4 team. The point I made was look at the division. Every division game from here on out in the NFC East is a big game by the fact that nobody wants to win. The Eagles are leading it, but they still have one win, right? They lost this yes. game. So they're only leading because they tied a team. So every game is important in the division. That division is so bad, the Eagles lost in Week 5, were 1-3-1, and one, and were still in first place. So that's not telling you a whole lot about Dallas or their chances. Like, Washington can still realistically win this division. Even with the, the Eagles with the, could win this division. Right. The Giants, the Giants, if they figure some stuff out and get a couple of players healthy, could still make a run at this. Realistically, I don't think that stuff's going to happen. No, but I mean, it's it, it, if you only have a game or two difference, there's only a you know. Well, Washington has one win also. That's right. So Washington is actually, I mean, they're in third place, but <laughs> it, they play Dallas and they beat Dallas, and Philadelphia doesn't win another game. Washington's going to be week seven, week eight. They're going to be the first place in the division with two wins. Like. <laughs> One of these teams is going to have a home playoff game. And right now... How ridiculous is that? Yeah. And right now, the best quarterback in the division... I hate to say this. This is going to make me throw up. The best quarterback in that division right now that's actively playing is Carson Wentz. Andy Dalton online, too. Andy Dalton can go out there this weekend and, and hurdle Carson Wentz very easily. But I just need to see it on the field first before I can say yes. Well, you know... And and I mean Alex Smith has potential to because now he's 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 available but apparently Kyle Allen's the starter because Kyle Allen's the starter I guess um, but 
until one of those two show something consistently in one game and play a whole game, I can't put them ahead of him. And Daniel Jones has been what happened to him. Like I know I know Saquon's not, you know, with the team right now cuz he's injured, but but you need to make that jump. You need to make that leap with yeah, that offense. Yeah, if you're offense. the franchise guy, yeah. You got you got to make it happen. So unfortunately, it pains me. He's currently right now the best quarterback in that division on the best team in that division. I can reasonably think the division winner might have five wins this year. That'd be something. That'd Maybe. Be something. Look, if you told me that before the season started, I'd say, dear, that's you being cynical. That's you being ridiculous. That That's nuts, man. It'll be, a, I mean, it would have to be at least eight and eight. But if we're going into week six, division winner has two wins, and albeit barely. If the Falcons know how to keep a lead, a massive lead in the fourth quarter, yeah. and the Giants have any any kind of you know respectability on offense, this is a division that has uh, all four teams with one win <laughs> and uh, all four teams with one win and the Eagles in first place have one, three, and one. <laughs> that That's absurd. We're going into week six. And as far as Wentz goes, man, look, I know I know, I make a lot of jokes too, much like you do, but, but there's certain times I see him and I'm like, that's that's what he was a few years ago when he was an MVP candidate before he got hurt. That's the Carson Wentz. He, he, he's fired up. You see him running around the field. You see him diving around and making plays. And and then he'll miss an open receiver by 10 yards, and you're like, well, that, what are you doing? Like, where There's no consistency. He will look absolutely horrendous for no reason for two and a half quarters. And then he'll be the second coming of Joe Montana for like eight in-game minutes. And then it's like he used up all his reserve power. Like when you're playing a video game yeah, and you beat up enough enemies and you can hit that, that like the, the button and your player gets like supercharged for like 30 seconds. That's kind of like what happens to Carson Wentz. Like he'll be, he'll be playing two, two and a half quarters of the game. And then he gets his uh, talent meter up. Yeah. And then he pushes that button, and he's good for like the rest of the quarter. And then by the time the fourth comes around, he's you know he sucks again. But it's like you can see flashes. There's something in there. There's some semblance of talent, but I don't I don't know where his consistency is. And I understand completely that team has been decimated by injuries on offense again. That receiver, Zach Ertz has disappeared. But I don't know if he's just pouty face because he wants money or whatever, but. He's been a non-factor. Dallas Goddard's injured. Miles Sanders kind of broke out a little bit this weekend, but let's be honest, if it wasn't for that one seventy-seven yard run, seventy-four yard run, touchdown run. I mean, he would he had six rushing yards the remainder of the game. That team cannot get him more involved if the defense knows he's the only weapon. So I don't know what I don't know what that division is going to do. I mean, realistically, they just I know, I know it's. It's not like a broken record. They just need to get those re- receivers on the field. They just I, – I understand that Ward is okay, and who is the other That's guy? That's some analysis right there. Who's the other guy? Oh, uh, I, I don't Fulgram? know. Fulgram. 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 Yeah. Actually played pretty well yeah, this they weekend. Both, him, Ward, him and Ward both look pretty good. But they still need Rhaegar back on the field. They need to see what he's got. He's got the talent to help Carson Wentz. He's supposed to come back this season, isn't he? He should. Yeah, I don't think that was season ending. 
Um, and who am I missing? Not not Nelson Aguilar. He's somewhere else. Yeah, he's in San Fran now, I believe. Um, Is it San Fran? I don't know. Yeah, I think it's San Fran. Who's the other one? Um, oh, Alshon Jeffrey. And and yeah. Deshaun Jackson. This like, it's the same same thing last year. It's like these two just aren't capable of being on the field. So why are you wasting roster spots? I get if they're owed money, like we might as well just have them on the roster. But there comes a point where you're taking snaps in practice, snaps during the game, away from other guys who could potentially stay on the field. Well, you're not doing that if you're not on the field playing. No, but I mean, I mean other guys. Like, just get rid of them. Get rid of those two. Bring in other players. Try to build some cohesion with Carson Wentz and see what you got. Because, honestly, you know you know what you're going to get from Alshon Jeffrey and you know what you're going to get from Deshaun Jackson about – Three and a half games from each of them. And that's about it. Yeah, if that. I mean, I don't I don't all shot hasn't stepped on the field yet this year. So you might you might as well just say, look, we'll go with Ward, we'll try this kid Fulgram, we'll see if Rhaegar can get back on the field. How how is it? How is it every time we try talking about the NFC East? We have all, another team. We're talking about Dallas and, and like it's right here. It's right here on the rundown. Yeah. Dak injured. Yeah. Where does Dallas go now? It's somehow we're talking about the Eagles' inefficiency on offense again. I'm not blaming you. I do it too. It just somehow we keep going back to that. I, I don't know what it is. It's a vicious cycle that just keeps on happening because it, it's it's this, Chris. They're more talented than they're showing on the scoreboard and on the record board. That's what that's as, as simply as I can put it. I'll say I'll get to you know to tie up to tie up this uh, NFC East talk all the way back to where we started at Dallas. I do think people make fun of Andy Dalton. I don't think he's as bad as he looked his last few years in Cincinnati. Remember that was a Bengals team that had a very poor offensive line. Uh, they had Joe Mixon for uh, his last season there, or last two seasons there, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, but even Mixon wasn't able to be himself because that offensive line was so poor. The defense wasn't great. Uh, receiving injuries to the receiving core, much like the Eagles have. Actually, <laughs> worse. It's probably worse. Yeah, I mean, A.J. Green was out, and John Ross was out, and uh, Tyler Boyd couldn't stay healthy, and Tyler Eifert couldn't stay healthy. So, Andy Dalton's a guy who, realistically, if he had a team to start you know, around him that could stay healthy, is a guy who can, can lead an offense. I'm not saying he's Dak. But this is why you pay a backup decent money because situation like this, where you have your franchise guy the rest of the year, make no mistake, Dak's out the rest of the year. He's not coming back this season. And realistically, Cowboys fans, he may be done in Dallas, so they don't get a, reach an agreement on an extension. So he may have Andy Dalton for a few years. But you could do worse. You can do Andy Dalton can make the throws. And he gets all the reps in practice now as the starter. And he's playing in a good team with a good offensive line, with a great running back, some really talented receivers. C.D. Lamb and Michael Gallup. Uh, I, I I never understood that if the Cowboys intended on drafting a receiver in the first round, why they, why they extended Amari Cooper. Uh, it doesn't make sense to me. But I think this Cowboys team is still going to be okay. I still think they win the East. I still, I don't think... I don't think it'll be five games. I think it might be like nine and seven, honestly. I think they're going to start pulling away. But 
it's not Dak. Oh, then again, <laughs> the way that Dallas defense plays, <laughs> they may not win more than five games. So that defense is porous at best. So that offense is going to have to get it together. You're going to have to have Amari Cooper step up. And if Amari Cooper can't, then C.D. Lamb can be the superstar that we think he can be because that team needs players to step up. Zeke has to be a focal point. Lamb has to be a focal point because we know Cooper can't do it. Yeah. That offensive line has to step up their play a little bit. You can't have you can't have Andy Dalton under center and have Ezekiel Elliott rushing for 30 yards a game and continuing to go out and, and catch passes. He's your running back. That's how Dallas has succeeded in the past when they've won games. He handed Ezekiel 20, 22 times. Throw him a few out of the backfield. You let Pollard come in and do you know a few runs to spell him. Throw him some you know throw him some passes. Like it's it's not a complicated thing. Like Mike McCarthy's supposed to be an offensive coach, and Zeke Elliott's probably never seen less carries in a season than he has under Mike McCarthy. I don't quite understand that. All I'd say is, if I'm. Well, I'd say if I'm the GM, but I don't think they have a GM. It's basically Jerry Jones. I'm I'm looking, scouring the teams that are looking to unload. So your Atlanta Falcons. Look at their defense and see what you can get. If you can get Tank McKenzie or you can get Keanu Neal from the Falcons, by all means, go get them. Go get them because, like you just said, they need defensive help. So... Scour wherever you can get. You know, Clay Matthews is still a free agent. Take a shot on him as a pass rusher. You need some pass rushing ability. I know they're one of the top uh, teams in in sacks, but it's inconsistent. So solidify your offense because you said it correctly. Mike McCarthy is an offensive coach. He needs to show that he's an offensive coach. You have the weapons around Andy Dalton to make this work. You just need to buff that defense up. Take some draft capital, move it out, get a couple pieces, some teams that are looking to unload some talent, get it now before it's too late because the trade deadline comes up. Teams are already start going to start picking part um, of all these available players. And now you're going to be left in the wind, and your defense isn't going to be any better. I mean, you're right. They they are probably the most well built team right now to win that division. I think they they need that defensive help now, not later. Now we get on to a little bit of baseball news. Uh, after I believe four seasons, the White Sox decided, after making the playoffs for the first time in many years, to let uh, manager Rick Renteria go. Relieved him of his duties. Uh, it's a polite way to say they fired him. Uh, you were really surprised by this move. Um, I don't really understand it because this is a very young team that finally went out and spent some money and, and, and put a talented product on the field. And this was a mess of a season, to say the least. 60 games, shortened season, weird, unbalanced schedule. They made the playoffs. I believe they were the three seed in the American League. It had a really, really nice regular season, albeit short, and then decided to let him go. Honestly, 
I don't know what they're thinking. And and reading the the piece on on ESPN.com, either they don't know what they're thinking or they just don't want to tell anybody. Um, the biggest, the, the the most poignant quote I can I can pull up from from um, the discussion, and this is the GM Rick Hahn. Um, this isn't based about this is isn't about anything that happened over the last couple of weeks after we clinched our position in the playoffs, or about any decision in the game three of the wild card round. This is based upon where we are as an organization and where we need to take that next step. So I know without yeah. without saying it, Chris, they're like, yeah, we like Rick Rick Renteria. We just don't think he can win us a World Series ring. That's basically what I just said. He can't take this team right now and push it across the finish line. Here's the thing: that team, that team now. I mean, they're talented with a lot of really good young players. Yeah. But they're not a championship caliber team. They're missing a few pieces still. It just doesn't make much sense to me that when when the players respond to them positively, and they're playing well, and they make the playoffs, and they have some positive momentum, they have a lot of these you know these younger guys under contract for several more years. Now you let them go. Yeah. I understand if you if you tell them, hey, look. We have expectations here. We're going to go out in this offseason. We're going to bring in some other key players. We're going to do our best to try to stack this team, get more pitching. We're going to get guys like Michael Kopech back next year. Who knows what he's going to be after being out for two years? But, talent, you know, uh, a talented prospect. Absolutely. And it could still be something. This team has pieces. And they could tell him, hey, look, if you can't, you can't make this work, we get a third of the way through next season, halfway through the next season, and we're not in contention. We're going to let you go, not not trying, not trying to threaten you. Just being, you know, just Honest. being full disclosure, right? Uh, but we're going to give you a chance and see what we can do. Okay, but to just let him go, now you're. What if he was the part of the dynamic that made that team work, and they believed in him, and they want they they rallied around him? It, it's kind of like when a, a really good team. Let's uh, a valuable role player go, and they bring in an all star at that position, and the team isn't nearly as good. On paper, you should say, "Well, that team was that good without that all star player. They're gonna kill it with that guy." But sometimes you disrupt team chemistry. You can mess up momentum, and there's a lot of intangibles in sports that you cannot measure on a stat sheet. A lot, and. I just hope for the sake of the White Sox, they didn't mess with a good thing. Because if they hire somebody else and bring them in, and it doesn't vibe with these players, and he doesn't, doesn't have the same kind of uh, a feel in the clubhouse as it did with Rick Renteria, the White Sox could be back to cellar dwellers. Well, it's, it's interesting um, because there's also a, another piece on ESPN.com, and I, I'm not a fan of keep referencing ESPN.com, but it's there. We're going to use it um, on why the uh, White Sox should hire A.J. Hinch. And it's interesting because not only A.J. Hinch available, Alex Cora is available. So are they looking to get a World Series winning manager? Yeah, maybe. Um, 
again, you're you're just saying that Rick Renteria isn't good enough. What's going to happen? Like, you, like, I think I think you hit it on the uh, on the head. Is what happens if he was the guy that that kind of made it work? Right. And and now you're messing it up. You're screwing up what you had, and now. What Rick Hahn's gonna lose his job in a year, year and a half because now the White Sox are back in the solid dwellers. When he, he ultimately, I, I'm assuming it was his decision to uh, let him part ways with Renteria and think, if I kept him, who knows what could have happened? Yeah, you know, you, sometimes you have to, sometimes you have to have faith in somebody to say, okay. I think this is where you can. This is your ceiling. But let's try to push it and push it farther and see what else you have. And I like your point that you know, hey, if a quarter way, a third way through the season next year, we're not where we're we're expect to be. You're out. And I get it. AJ Hinch might not be available. Alex Gordon might not be available. Um, some other highly talented, highly respected manager might not be available. But realistically, you're buying in on your players, you're buying in on your uh, manager as the answers to getting you another championship. I think, I think it's worth it to, to roll the dice in that direction rather than, hey, good job making the playoffs the first time in forever. Uh, you're gone. Yeah, we're going to bring somebody else in. Well, speaking of playoffs, we are in the League Championship Series. The League Championship Series, by the way, that actually have some fans in the stands, which has definitely made it a little bit easier to watch. Uh, the Braves actually just wrapped up a Game 2 victory over the Dodgers, 8-7. to Atlanta has not lost during this postseason. Oh, wow. And they had they beat 8-7. to Dodgers almost made a comeback, but uh, Dodgers are... Probably looking at what their next excuse will be for not performing with such a high salary. Uh, you know, when it, you know, God knows when it matters, they disappear and then find a reason why it's everybody else's fault. Correct. Uh, and the Rays, after knocking out the Yankees, continue to be baseball's hero, and they are winning three to one again in, in the sixth inning against the Astros. Incorrect. What? They're winning five to one. Oh, five to one. It was yes. just three to one two minutes ago when I looked. Yeah, and they have. Bases loaded. Wow. Okay. So the Maybe. Rays are pouring it on Houston. This could get ugly. The uh, the, 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 the the same Astros team the media said was on their revenge tour because apparently the Astros cheating makes them victims. I, I guess so. So that is what it is. Either way, rooting. I'm a Sox fan, but I'm rooting for the Rays. They took out the Yankees. They take out the Astros who are running their mouths after doing wrong. So. Why not a Braves Rays World Series? I'd be, you Change know what? it up. Give me something. I'd be different. fine with a Braves Rays World Series. Let the best team win. Honestly, <laughs> I could honestly watch those games and say whoever wins, let it be a good game. Good for them. Young they, ta- you have young talent. Yeah. You have you have you have two teams that haven't like Braves haven't won since the mid nineties a, a World Series, and the Rays haven't won a championship yet. Let's just see what they got. Let's see what they got. Because honestly, I'm tired of the Astros and the Dodgers. It's just a same song and dance. Great regular season team. And then they get to the playoffs, and at some point, they just 
crap themselves and they're going home empty-handed. And here's the thing. Uh, well, before I move on to that, uh, also on, on top of being up five to one now in Game Three, the Rays are up two games to none in that series. So it looks like they may be on their way to taking a three games to none lead against the Astros. I'll get to the Dodgers first. Actually, my biggest problem with the Dodgers isn't, you know, that if it was just against the Red Sox and, and the Astros, the two teams that had kind of a bit of a scandal around them, especially with the Astros, where a lot more was found out about them, then I'd be like, oh, you know what? You guys perform against everybody but the two teams that you say cheated you. Right. Okay. But it isn't just that case with the Dodgers where it's against those two teams and those two series. This has been the Dodgers ever since the ownership group, including Magic Johnson, took over. They spent vast amounts of money putting this team together. This team is regular season rock stars, and then they get to the playoffs and they'll win against lesser competition in the first round, maybe the second round and get to the World Series. But then they get against they go against the league competition on a big stage, and they choke. And all they do is make up excuses. And it doesn't explain all the other instances no. where... They just blew it. They choke. And, just and make up the team. Just as a reminder to the Dodgers, the the Astros and the Red Sox play in the AL. So when it matters, the only time you can play is in the World Series. Right. So what happened last year? What happened before you faced the Astros? What happened in 16, 15, 14? Like, like I said, they're time travelers. They anticipated problems with the Astros in 2017. Okay. And that threw them off. That's their excuse. Okay. I mean, it, that's fair. It just, I, I, you can't even say they're going to blow it up. Like, I can't even say, I can't even go on that soapbox and say, okay, this is what they're going to do. You know, they're going to do, I'm going to do the old Ben and just say, get rid of everything. Because they've layered so much on that team with contracts and, and young players. It's just like, you can't blow it up. You just got to keep adding to yeah. it. Like they did this past offseason. What did they add? Mookie Betts. What is that giving them? It looks like they're going to be out in the LCS. So what are they going to add next year? Well, they need to have more pitching because who was supposed to start tonight for the Dodgers? And did he start? Nope. Well, there we go. That's another narrative that's unfortunate. As a great regular season pitcher he is, He's done nothing in the playoffs. The ironic part is, this postseason, he'd actually been doing very well. And now when it comes time matters the most, he's not available. And obviously, if it's an injury issue, you know, that's not his fault. He doesn't want to be hurt. But, yeah, I don't know, It's Unfortunately, that's the narrative around him. The Dodgers are like that guy. You you ever play play poker? You're you're playing a round of uh, of Texas Hold'em. The Dodgers are that guy that has a, a good set of hold cards. And then you get those first three cards down. The flop, for those of you who know what I'm talking about. And they're like, oh, this is this is good still. This is good. But you can see there's something better potentially on the board. You can see it. Yeah. And he's like, no, no, no. You know what? You know what? You know what? I'm not going to get out now. I'm going to put more money in. I'm going to push everybody else out. I'm just too invested. I'm going to keep going. And then the turn card comes. And, oh, man, there's definitely a better hand on the board. But I'm way too invested. What am I going to do, get out now? No, no, no. I've already put so much money into this. I'm not going to get out and blow it up. No, 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 no. I'm just going to keep going. And you put more money in. 
And then the river card, the fifth card comes, or the championship, the World Series. And you're like, oh, man, this didn't work at all. And <laughs> they do that year after year after year. And their excuse is just throw more money at it. It's like other teams are going to be scared of their salary. Like, numbers don't play on the field. Players play on the field. If you don't have the guys to do it, it doesn't matter how much money you throw at it, it's not going to happen. It's true. They threw money at they, – they retained uh, Kinley Jansen. I don't believe he's their closer right now, right? I don't think so. I think he was earlier in the year. I don't think he is right now, though. Um, and you now they're going to have to pay Cody Belger at some point. Who knows if they'll pay Max Muncy, Corey Seager. Like, everything just keeps kind of piling together, and you still don't have the answers with your Patriots set. Yes, you have Walker Bueller, but – what else do you have? And what consistency do you have? And I, I can't blame Dave Roberts. He's He's got the team that he has on the field. And unfortunately, the narrative of the lineup comes from the front office might actually be true, especially when we saw it in, in 18. Cody Mellinger was probably their best player. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And did he play every game? Nope. I think he, and they took him out of some games too. Right. Because what were they doing? They were playing the matchups. Because matchups, matchups, matchups. They were metrics, all these numbers. Well, and guess what? When you have your best player on the field, you right. keep him on the field. End of story. Doesn't matter what the numbers say. You live and die with your best players. That's right. And Mookie was on the field the entire time. Xander Bogarts was on the field. I think even yeah, Devers was even playing the entire game. Sometimes when in the game of baseball, you just have to say, screw the numbers. These guys know what they're doing. They're talented enough to play, and they're going to execute. And that's what you have to go with. I get it. It goes. Well, I mean, that, that only worked for 120 years. There's no reason to believe it would keep working. I understand. I mean, you know, you have all these sabermetrics and everything. So, and as far as the AL goes. Um, my only problem with the Astros, like I said, I think people, I think a lot of people blew what they did out of proportion. And I've only been hard on them recently because of their arrogance. To have Carlos Correa come out and, oh, what now, what now? And every time every time they're winning a game, every time they hit a home run, they hold their hand up to the ear like, oh, who's talking now? Everybody's still talking because you guys are idiots. Like, you got caught. You didn't want to say a word. You acted like scared little kittens whenever anybody came after you with the truth. And now that you're front running again, now you got a ton to say. I don't think they're front running at the moment. Not in the moment. Not the moment. Because the Rays are putting the boots to them. And the Rays are going to knock them out. And then they ain't going to say nothing. I bet you anything they're going to be silent. They're not going to say a word. But if they won, oh, you'd be hearing a whole lot from them. But I'm hoping, I'm hoping for a, a Braves-Rays yeah. World Series. Let the best team win. Absolutely. Well, now, Banker Tank, Ben's undoubtedly least favorite segment of the show. And it's funny because Banker Tank was your creation. That's not entirely true. Banker Tank was your creation. It, it, no, that and is. And now it is, it's like Frankenstein. It's like turning on you. It, it, unfortunately, it is. Yeah. So last week, I was 4-2 again. Yep. yep. Again. And actually, I was a late Zeke Elliott, uh, like 10-yard run away from being 5-1. and one. But it doesn't matter. What if? Ben was three and three. Solid. Solid three and three. So on the season, on the season, 
Yeah. I am 18 and 12, and Ben is 12 and 18. So you got some catching up to do. I'm starting to pull away. I mean, I haven't locked anything up yet, but I'm starting to pull away. And as for our listeners who played, Tammy went 4 and 1. I uh, believe, actually 4 and 2. Like, I think Josh Allen covered. Uh, and Liz went 3 and 2. And we're going to Philadelphia Eagles this because, you know, percentage points. So because she only has two losses, she technically finished better than Ben. That's she only has five players because Rex Burkhead and the Patriots didn't end up playing because of the whole COVID out. thing and they were on bye. So we can't unfair. can't count it for her or against her because he didn't play at all. Entirely if the team unfair. played. Entirely unfair. Uh-oh. Oh. Sorry, Houston. If the team played and Rex just didn't do well or didn't play, then we'd count it. But the entire franchise just didn't play, so it doesn't count. And Ben is in fourth place. But we encourage everybody, everybody. I usually say this at the end of the show, but yep. I encourage everybody listening. Ben usually puts the banker tank post up with the same picks we're going to tell you today. I don't know, Thursday, Friday, Friday night on Facebook. Go on to that, that post. Go on the comments section. Leave your players. Try to make them, you know, try to make them respectable. Don't have, like, a third-string running back tanking because, you know, that's <laughs> follow the lead of Tammy and Liz. They do it right. They do it well. They know what they're doing. Those kind of players. Put them up and, um, yeah, see how you do. And we'll, as long as we don't have way too many to mention, we'll, we'll mention it on the show and we'll talk about it. But uh, thank you to them for continuing to play. We appreciate it, and it's a lot of fun. Far more fun with four than two. Yes. But as for this week, hoping hoping that I keep my uh, my streaking as Ben alive because I have not lost to him yet this year. No, you Tied him one week, but I have not lost to him. So bank players, who you got? All right, I'm going to go Joe Burrow, Raheem Mostert, and Robbie Anderson. So, since it's um, we have a game actually playing, or they just finished, so the um, projections really aren't out for our league. Um, so I'm just kind of going on feel, um, and I'm feeling Joe Burrow against the Indianapolis Colts. I think he's going to have a rebound game. I I just don't think that game last week was indicative of what he's going to be. No, not at all. It's one of those rookie games that he's going to have, you know. Justin Herbert's going to have one this year. Um, and I think that he can get past this and just feed the ball to Joel Mixon, get it to his talented receivers. He's got plenty of them. I think we'll we'll see a good performance this week, even though I know Indianapolis has got a good defense. I recognize that. But I think he can make some things happen. And as you saw – Last this past week and previous weeks, he is very mobile inside the pocket, and he's mobile outside the pocket. So I think I just think that's. I think Indy's going to have some issues with Joe Burrow at quarterback. Who do you got? I have Kurt Cousins against the Falcons, Joe Mixon against the Colts, and Terry McLaurin against the Giants. I'm going to go with Terry McLaurin. This guy, as I've said before, if he wasn't on the Washington football team, that a team hasn't performed very well in the last couple of years, you kind of look at him and go, a lot of people don't take him seriously. Uh, but he's a super talented player, second-year player. He's playing a Giants team, or well, not just him, his entire team, 
They're playing a Giants team that have a, it has a very good secondary. And again, that's one of the higher points of their their team. But McLaurin, I think, is a kind of dynamic receiver, talented receiver who can definitely overcome that because the Giants, it's not an elite secondary with the Giants. And I think you're seeing with Haskins being benched and they're not going with Alex Smith in Washington, going with Kyle Allen. Ron Rivera is putting the guys in place that he wants to be the centerpieces of that team. Right. He brought Kyle Allen for a reason. Dwayne Haskins gave him a reason apparently to bench him, although we're not really made privy to what those reasons are. We hear rumors, but we're not here to spread rumors. Kyle Allen is serviceable, too good. He's still young. He could still develop. Ron Rivera is the right guy. He knows him from Carolina. And McLaurin is super talented, I believe, in the right system, potentially elite-level receiver. And they're going to get him the ball because they want he want, Rivera wants his guys to make plays so he knows who to build around. What, Tank? Tank. I got Baker Mayfield, Ronald Jones the second with Tampa Bay, Stephon Diggs. I think, and I'm going to go Baker. They're facing Pittsburgh. Division game, always, always different layer, no matter what division you're in. And I know we talked about a lot about the NFC East uh, this episode. We talked about other, other divisions in previous episodes. It's another level. When it's Cleveland, Pittsburgh, it's similar to Cle- uh, to Pittsburgh and Baltimore. And I, I like, I like where their offense is going, Pittsburgh. And we spoke about about that a lot last episode. I like where their defense is at. Your defensive player of the year. Am I wrong to say he he shined last weekend, or this past weekend, on the field? Um, I don't. I don't think there's much to. TJ. Really, uh, yeah. Yeah, uh, Patrick Queen, my rookie of the year pick, did too. Uh, yeah. I, true. Add that to my banker tank. I might know what I'm talking about after all. Once maybe, in a while, maybe huh? you do. Maybe. Um, don't tell anybody. I just, I just think that defense is gonna. I, I know Baker's flying high. So is Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham and Kareem Hunt. They're all flying high. Nice. You know, couple few wins in a row. They're really hitting their stride, and I just think the Pittsburgh Steelers are going to bring them down to earth. And I think this could help. This could help Baker in the future, just to kind of keep an even keel. Will it? Will it actually happen? Yeah, who I, knows? I, I highly doubt it. But I think Pittsburgh is going to come in and and really stymie that offense and put a. Put a baker behind the eight ball. Your tank, sir. Phillip Rivers against the Bengals. Mike Davis against the Bears. And Jamison Crowder against the Dolphins. I'm going to go with Mike Davis here. Uh, it's pretty impressive what he's been able to do in Carolina. Very impressive. And this isn't this isn't a, a negative on him. Think about what he's done. I mean, he didn't even play the first two weeks of the season. And I know in our league, at least with our scoring format, he's the running back 10 right now. So there's only nine other guys who've been playing the entire season who have outperformed him, and he has two fewer weeks. He's been insanely impressive. I just think with 
the fact that the Bears' defense is very tough on running backs. Bears' defense is very good. The Bears' defense is the reason they're 4-1 right now, let's be honest. It certainly isn't their stellar quarterback play. Uh, he's going to have a hard time both running and catching. Teddy's going to have to throw a little bit more. I think they want Teddy to throw a little bit more. Because I think even when McCaffrey comes back, they don't want to have to hand him the ball 25, 30 times. They realize how important he is in an offense. And if you can have a Christian McCaffrey, as effective as he was the last couple seasons, with an offense around him that can actually run. Yeah. And I don't mean run like run the ball, but actually like perform. Oof. So I think this is just a transition of the offense and playing a good defense more than it is anything against Mike Davis because he's been phenomenal. But I don't think you're going to get a massive game out of him like you have pretty much every other week this season. So kind of risky one on my part, but I'm, I'm, I'm feeling pretty good. I'm feeling good. I'm first place in Banker Tank. You should feel good about it. I mean, all my MVP picks and player of the year picks are looking great. I'm not doing how Ben's doing. I mean, this is, it's, it's really, it's really in my favor right now. So I'm glad you're, you're, you're sitting on cloud nine over there. Anything to add to that? Or are you just going to, no, I'm good. I'm going to get out of here as soon as possible. I, so I, I shut I'm up. good. I, I, I want to, I want to kind of bring myself together and really get a good banker tank week and then not, have my defensive player of the year pick get just absolutely toasted last weekend, which was very disheartening. He yeah. Was, he was getting absolutely abused. Yeah, you are like, I don't know, dude. You are like walking bad luck. Maybe we just have to reassess the picks at some point. And... Oh, we're going to do that after week week nine, I think. Did we say we're going to do that after week nine? Yeah, yeah. Well, there's yeah. there's going to I mean, be some changes. You can pick my players. I just I, I, like, I want to make sure I get credit for it. That's all. I will put it I will put it on a notation. Uh, if we put a blog up, I'll put a notation at the bottom. Care, you know, credit to Chris. Okay. That's all I want is my recognition. I gotcha. All right. For the sake of Ben Stanley, we're gonna we're gonna end this episode. But if you have any questions, comments about anything you heard on this episode or past episodes or anything sports-related in general, we would love to hear from you. And, Ben, where can I get in touch with us? Well, you hit us up on Facebook. That's Ben and Chris Talk Sports. At, on Twitter, at BCTSPod. Or website, BCTSPod.com. And as always, we appreciate all your support. Please keep it up. If you enjoyed the episode, we ask that you please tell a friend and help us spread the word. Really appreciate it. For Ben, I am Chris. Please stay safe, stay healthy, and we will see you right back here next Wednesday. Thank you.